And we are back, episode 32. It's official. The devil season has come to an end with a disappointing 4-1 to series loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, but listen, it's, it's a small blip in what was a fantastic season. Uh, many, 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 many highs. Uh, I think we can all agree we're a little bit ahead of schedule here. And uh, it was a record-breaking season. So all in all, uh, I'm in a great mood. Alex, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm in a good mood too. Um, even though there's no more Devils hockey for the rest of the season, you know they accomplished a lot. Um, content with the way the season went, you know, 52 wins, uh, franchise record. They beat their biggest rival in their first playoff series win since 2012. Um, so there's really not that much to complain about. Honestly, it was uh, the season went as well as it could have. Yeah, uh, well, as well as. Uh... It was above expectations as yeah, well as it could have yeah. where, you know, we'd still be playing. Right. Um, yeah, but listen, uh, as a fan, you really couldn't ask for much more. Um, you know, it was back to the days of the building being full, being loud, uh, all having, you know, the, that, that kinetic energy. Um, it was, it was incredible. The playoffs were so much fun. You beat your number one rival, just, just, you know, it, it was just an awesome season. So thank you to the Devils organization and thank you to the team because uh, it was a fun ride. Yeah, I mean, that Rangers series, even though it was obviously stressful because they went to seven games, you know, they ended up coming out on top in seven games. So it's all worth it in the end. Um, and they kind of sent their biggest rival into shambles. I mean, Gerard Gallant got fired and there was, there was a lot of... Listen, dis- you gave me bragging rights for a full year now. Like it's just that's just fantastic, right? Like you can't as a Devils fan and and with that rivalry, you just you just it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Especially knowing so many Rangers fans, either I work with or grew up with, it's um it's just a great feeling. Yeah, I mean same thing here. I mean I've known a ton of Rangers fans growing up, uh, you know, in New Jersey my whole life, so. Um, definitely a good feeling going into the, the off season, and uh, you know we'll get into some of the off season stuff here with the exit interviews pretty much done at this point. Yeah, so folks, uh, going to be a little bit of a different episode this week. Uh, I think we are going to cover exit interviews, as my good friend Alejandro just mentioned, and we will also be covering Tom Fitz. Uh, he made news today. Let's just say that he made news. Uh, multiple juicy comments from the the head man himself. Uh, so we'll, we'll dig into that. And then a little special segment for y'all. We're going to do year-end awards uh, for the team and coaching staff. So uh, look forward to that as well. Yeah, I, I don't know what these awards are going to be too. So, you know, this should be should be a fun time at the end. Fisherman's catch, baby. Yeah, he, he's got some right. for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the exit interviews. Alex, where do you want to start? Um, yeah, so I mean, there's, we could probably start with Dougie Hamilton last week, uh, saying he played through a pretty bad wrist injury, uh, in the Carolina series that he hurt himself pretty bad at the end of the Rangers series. It was his wrist. We don't know the extent of it yet. He doesn't really seem to know either. He said in his exit interview that, uh, he's still discussing it with the team about whether he needs surgery or not. Um, you know, if he does need surgery, I guess the good thing is that they don't play a regular season game again for five months, so he'll have time to recover if he does need surgery. But um, that was a pretty significant storyline, especially since 
we saw a lot of fans on social media saying like Dougie struggled against Carolina, but that definitely adds some context to it because he was playing through, I think it was his strong, I think it was his right uh, wrist as well. So that's obviously an issue for him since he's a right-handed shot. Alex, let me ask you a question. If if you can't grip a stick, how well do you think you're going to play? Yeah, probably not very well, especially if it's on your yeah, strong okay. hand. So, um, so all these yeah. Twitter tw- Twitter thumbs can bug off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So we know why Dougie struggled against Carolina. Um, I mean, it's not like he's the only player that struggled against Carolina too. So, uh, but yeah, that was probably pretty significant um, news on the injury front. You know, there weren't. You know, we see like during these interviews, we find out guys are playing like on one leg and stuff, but there wasn't really any of that with the Devils. Um, just Dougie saying he was playing through a pretty bad injury, and but he suffered it at the end of the Rangers series. Jack said he's fine, and Tommy Fitz said today there. Uh, Tommy Fitz said today that there's no concern about Jack's injury moving forward. So, um, yeah, I mean that was good news. I mean the du- team was largely healthy through most of the season, and they largely ended it healthy through most of the season too. Has anyone checked on Vitek's soul? Does it still exist? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, I saw the video of him signing autographs for fans after exit interviews. Um, so he's he's seems to be doing fine. <laughs> okay, good. Um, maybe one of the more shocking admissions that we saw from an NHL hockey player in most recent exit interviews, Eric Holla, uh, seems to be very happy with the team. Uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. said so as much, and Fitz kind of confirmed that he did go into his office and told him he wanted to resign. So thoughts there? I mean, if I, Fitz, you know, we'll get into Fitz's comments later, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Eric Hall coming back sure at the right price. Gonna, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to be back. Um, yeah, I'm writing about the All signs are pointing that way, at least. Yeah, for sure. And I think Fitz even kind of like, he said today he would do that trade like 10 out of 10 times and every Sunday or whatever. His, twice on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, twice on Sunday. I didn't remember the quote off the top of my head, but uh, he said he would do that trade all, over pretty much every time. Um, so I definitely think there's mutual interest. Um, you know, I mean, Hollis said he doesn't want to be anywhere. Um, this is family uh, to him. Like the, You saw the, I think the Devil's Twitter account posted the, the Fast and Furious meme of uh, Vin Diesel saying this is... Uh, family so family yeah yeah i'm writing about the devil's ufas yeah i'm writing about the devil's ufas now and like who could be back and who might be looking for greater pastures this summer and i haul out was the easiest one for me to do because i just think it's kind of obvious that he's coming back so uh, i don't so like, she- i don't see why they wouldn't resign him uh, i guess price like the cap hit might be a bit of an issue but i think he'd be willing if to he wants to come back he'll take the sweetheart deal that's all i'm saying he lost all leverage with that interview and i'm completely for it i think he just wants some term because he's been bouncing around for so many years i think if the devils were like gave him a three-year deal at like three and a half million dollars a year or something like that which is probably a little bit under what his value is he'd probably take it because he gets the three years of uh, stability so but yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he's, he's going to be on a playoff hockey team. Yeah, he's going to be on a playoff team probably for all three of those years if that's the type of deal he gets. So, um, yeah. Now, now let's pivot to his vacation, buddy. Uh, somewhat of a glaring absence in what has been explained away as a pre-approved admission uh, from the press. But Tomas Tatar, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so he was there. 
Um, he was at. He the was field. there. Yeah, sorry. He was yeah. there for his exit interview with the team. However, was not there for media availability. Yeah, sorry, he was cl- just bu- he was busy. With, yeah, he was busy with something, so he just couldn't do media that day. Um, and he was supposed to play for Slovakia at the World Championships, um, but Miroslav Shatan uh, said, uh, who's the head of uh, Slovak Slovak hockey, said he's not going to be available. So. I'm thinking maybe he's dealing with an injury of some sort and he just didn't want to talk to press. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, as far as like reading into whether he'll be back with the team or not next season, like I'm not really sure if I make anything of that from him being not being at exit interviews. Um, I, I think what would probably be more of a determinant in him not coming back would be uh, his playoff performance, which was pretty bad. Todd Cordell wrote about it today at Infernal Access um, and like his play really fell off a cliff in the playoffs and that's kind of just been a thing with him in his career so you can't really ignore it at this point like I think if they're gonna obviously gonna be a playoff team here moving forward that I think that could really kind of determine whether he's with the team uh, beyond this season. Is he the Bruce Boudreau of players? Um. No, because I think Bruce Boudreaux had some playoff success before. I mean, he got to he was within one game of the Stanley Cup final with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, they got to like a game seven against Chicago, if I remember that, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, some well, Tatar, didn't Tatar go to the finals with Vegas? Uh, yeah, but he didn't play. He was a healthy scratch. Um, really? Oh, I thought that was only in Montreal. He was a healthy scratch in Vegas, too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a healthy scratch in Vegas like through most of that playoff run, too, which Eric Hall happened to be on that team as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a thing with Tatar at this point that, like, you can't ignore the – he's 32 years old. Like, you can't ignore – and he has 13 points in 52 games – in 52 career playoff games. Like, you just can't ignore it at this point. And I think if the Devils are – going to want to make a deeper run than they did this season in the playoffs next year that, you know, Tatar might find himself out the window because he just can't perform off the team because he can't perform in the playoffs. Yeah. And it's not like we're lacking any young wingers that could fill a bottom six role in Utica. Uh, I think that, that, that's shown with that team and, and, and there's some, some talent that can be picked up from there or a cheap free agent. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, they would definitely have to replace Tatar because he's he's a top six forward. I mean, 20, 20 goals and 48 points this season, and like just his impacts were kind of crazy good. So they would have to find someone either through a trade or free agency uh, to replace him in the top six. Well, I mean, if you think about it, that he's a top six if Timo's playing on the third line, right? If you, yeah. if you move Timo up, you have your top six. Right, theoretically, with Mercer, Meyer, Palat, Hughes, and Brat, um, and obviously Heischer. So, you know, I, I see that role. Tatar himself might be a top six forward, but I see the replacement there. You know, as a as a true third line winger. Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with that. Um, just I, the reason I don't like. Well, I'm just saying from a price standpoint. Yeah, that's the thing. Was like I was gonna say, Palat's contract is like six million dollars a year, but uh, you know maybe he'll rebound next season. But uh, his play this season definitely wasn't worthy of playing a top six role. So, um, that's oh no, 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 not from. at all. But I mean, it was a tough injury to come back from. Uh, yeah, that's why well. he, like, and, and, I'm saying he could bounce back. Like we don't know. 
He played well in the playoffs. I thought he Yeah, he had well. some good moments in the playoffs, but I, I still think he just needs the summer to recover and uh we'll see what happens there. But they definitely have if they're not gonna resign Tatar, like you just I guess you could replace him with someone from Utica, but I think you would probably be I'd be surprised if Fitz just kinda like stood pat and didn't try to find someone else through a trade or a free agency. Especially more so a trade because the free agent class is pretty cheeks this year. So um I think the trade market's more likely out there. All right, cool, cool. Um, should we move on to Jack's interview? Some interesting comments from that one? Um, yeah, I don't remember what he said off the top of my head other than the comments about you got to sign the deal if you want to be in New Jersey. That was like the one that really Does it matter out. any other comment besides that one, to be honest? Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. that was a sh- that, that made headlines. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really know who he's talking about. Should we take a stab about. at who it's – yeah, do we think we should take a stab at who he's talking about? I mean, to me, it could have been Taylor Hall because Taylor Hall always talked about wanting to be in New Jersey and he never signed whatever Ray Shero offered him at the time. I don't even know if Ray Shero offered him anything, but he always talked about wanting to be in New Jersey and they didn't work out and they ended up trading him, which worked out for everyone in the end because look at the package the Devils got for Taylor Hall. I don't know if it was about Jesper Bratt. I don't know if it was about Timo Meyer. Um, I think he was just talking about maybe in generally they've had these players who've said they've wanted to be in New Jersey in the past, like Hall and Jesper Bratt, it could have been about both of them. It could have been about one of them. I don't really know, but uh, if it was about Jesper Bratt, I mean, he definitely got his point across. It's pretty, it was a very, like his delivery too is very piercing, right? Like it wasn't like joking. It was, it oh, was yeah, he was not direct. joking. Yeah, he was being serious. Yeah. He, he's like, if you yeah. basically, he's saying, if you want to be a part of a winning team, just sign the damn deal. That's the way it came across. Listen, and you know what? I love that he said it. And listen, if he's going to ruffle a few feathers with that comment, albeit that's what a leader does. Like he says, listen, you either get on the, you either get on, get on the bandwagon or you don't. Right. Uh, yeah. And and you love to see the confidence from him with that type of statement. Yeah, so I didn't have an issue with it. And he's always like when he wants to talk to media, he's always a good quote because he d- delivers a good quote. Um, you know, and he seemed like in a talking mood that day, so it was pretty good. Um I just like I don't know who it was about. I don't want to like speculate. A lot of people seem to think it was obvious it was about Jesper Brad just because of like contract negotiations have gone, you know, the last couple of times. I thought it was then. funny that the next day they did what's your favorite town in New Jersey was spotlighting Jesper Bratt on the devil's media uh, after those comments. I thought it was funny. I didn't even see that. What was that about? Oh, so I don't know. It, it was like some like, you know, BS off season content that the devil's media team runs. And it was uh, a spotlight of what's your favorite town in New Jersey and uh, Jesper Bratt was the one answering the question. And, uh, you know, he said Lavalette, as I think we've exchanged some texts on that one before. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I just thought it was just the timing of it was like, I, I'm sure it was pure coincidental, but, like, it was just priceless. I didn't even see that. Yeah, that's not – I agree with you. It was probably pure co- coincidental, but uh, it's still funny at the timing of it for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's get into Jesper's interview, right? Like, uh, we had enough fun with Jax. Uh, Jesper, you know, basically said he's going to be here for years to come uh, or a couple years to come. I forget how he worded that exactly. It was kind he said of. He's going to be oh, here for a He's going to be here for a while. He's going to get the deal done. That's basically the way he put yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way he put it. So, 
that's good news. Uh, Fitz seemed optimistic today as well. Um, all signs are pointing toward the Jesper Bratt deal. Uh, just, I guess, the question's probably term. Yeah, I don't know what this deal is going to look like. You know, I think the Devils maybe they'd have a preference to get eight years done. Maybe um, I don't know if Jesper wants that. You know, if he wants like a big UFA payday when he hits thirty years old, I could see something like a four or five year deal getting done. Probably pay him around seven million dollars a year, I would think, if it's four or five years. Um, but you know, he pretty made it pretty clear that he wants to be in New Jersey long term. He said that he had full confidence in his agent and uh, Tom Fitzgerald to get the deal done. Fitz reiterated that for the most part in his press conference today, saying that um, he's not anticipating contentious negotiations with Jesper Bratt and that there's actually been progress towards the deal. He just said that they tabled the talks when the playoffs start, started because it made time sense at that time, which he said that about Timo Meyer, if I remember right, too, that they were tabling talks with Meyer um, after, I think, just a little bit before the playoffs started. They, he said they were going to let Meyer breathe a little bit and discuss it in the offseason. So they basically took the same approach with just Brad. But, uh, I mean, everything there is trending in a positive direction based on both of their comments. You know, that Fitz said. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think Fitz caveated it, though, with, with saying, listen, the term is there, the deal is there, Jesper knows what we want. The ball is in their court, is what yeah. you know. He ended that statement with. So, it sounds like Fitz is pretty firm in what he's offering. It sounds like it's eight years. It sounds like all the rumors and reports have been eight million, and it sounds like take it or leave it type of thing. Um. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. It definitely did sound like that based on what he said. Um. I think they're gonna. Like there has to be a little bit of wiggle room here. I know the, they've kind of built in this hard line that they don't want to pay j- people more money than Jack. But it's like Friedman was saying on one of the recent thirty-two episode, uh, thirty-two thoughts episodes. Like it's that's a nice thought, not, but yeah, it, yeah, it's not a realist. Like it doesn't work in the real world. Like especially since the cap is going to start going up here next year and probably the year after, uh, if they don't want to do a one-time shot of it going up like eight to nine million dollars. So like that's. Yeah, like great, you signed Jack for eight million dollars a year a couple of years ago. Um, but this that was a couple of years ago, and these are a bit different times. Um, it's like you have to have a little bit of wiggle room here. Like if Jesper Brad's like, I want eight point one million dollars, like you shouldn't be throwing a fit over an extra hundred k a year if that's what he wants. Like just give him a hundred k. Eight point one is like really not on that reason. It's not unreasonable for a player like him too. Um, that's evolving hockey's contract projection has him at like $8.3 million on an eight year uh, contract. So, you know, if he wants 8.1, give him the 8.1, but it, I, I'm not really, I don't think we're getting to like an arbitration hearing or anything like that this time. Um, I think they're going to get this deal done, whether it's, it sounds know, different years. than last summer. Yeah. I don't think there was ever really bad blood between the two sides. I don't think negotiations were really contentious at any point. And I think it was essential that they did not go to arbitration. I think that was yeah, essential. If they, if they went to arbitration, he would have gotten traded at some point. Uh, I don't know if it would have been in the middle of the season, maybe this summer, but if they had gone to arbitration, it would have been year, right now before the draft. Yeah, it would have been game over. So um, yeah, I'm not really anticipating too much of an issue there. I think they're going to get him signed to a, a longish term deal, whether it's eight years or four to five years, I think. There's a compromise to be had. And just based on both of their comments, it sounds like they're making progress. 
I think it's going to be five years, seven, seven, five. Yeah, I think five years makes sense for both sides because then the Devils still get him for like the prime of his career from 25 to like 30 years old. If I'm doing, I think he turns 25 this summer. So um, that would, you get him in the best years and then he still can get a payday at 30 years old as an unrestricted free agent if that's what he wants. I mean, people are saying that's what Austin Matthews is going to do. If he re-ups up, re with the Maple Leafs, he'd probably take an, like another four to five year contract. That way he can get the payday he wants at th- one more payday at 31 years old in five years or something like that. So it wouldn't be surprised me if just Brat uh, ended up taking that approach. And I think the devils should would be wise to kind of, if he wants a five-year deal, the devils should do it too. I mean, it's five-year deals pretty long-term. So um, we'll see what happens, but um, I don't anticipate this being like it has the last couple of times they've tried to negotiate a contract with him. Yeah. I completely agree with everything you just said there. Um, should we move on to the other winger uh, that is outstanding uh, that is going to require quite the price tag as well? Yeah. So Timo Meyer. Um, this I might be a little bit of a different story. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know for sure because they just haven't had him in the organization for that long, and it feels like Fitz hasn't even really talked with Claude Lemieux, who's. Um, Myers agent I feel like they haven't even really had big time talks yet um like I was saying before like they tabled extension talks with him shortly after they acquired him from the San Jose Sharks and then I if they tabled talks with Brad for an extension during the playoffs I highly doubt that they were talking to Myers camp about an extension during um the playoffs so I think Fitz uh, I don't have the quote I don't think did I bookmark this one from today uh no it doesn't look like it but i i remember just kind of paraphrasing that fitz said that there's still a conversation to really be had with myers camp about what a long-term deal looks like i think there's still a fair bit of work to do there i don't think they really had too many serious talks yet like i'm not really concerned about it at this point um there's myers spoke like he I, i'm trying to remember they asked him about like the travel and stuff about living in new jersey and obviously travels a lot easier playing for the devils. Um, He's talked about the organization being set up to win for a long time too. Like he said positive stuff that didn't really make me too concerned one way or another, whether he'd signed with the team. I just think it's something we're going to have to see play out over the summer. Like now, if it gets to like a cut rate arbitration thing that Friedman mentioned on 32 thoughts at some point last week, then I think you start work uh, getting a little concerned because you know, if you're going to team elected, it's like what the Devils did with Miles Wood last year. They took him to cut rate arbitration to cut um, his salary by 15%. Um, so that's what they would be doing with Meyer. They get him down from $10 million to $8.5 million, And then they'd have and a decision. players love when you take money from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, probably not a good sign if that ends up at that point. Um, so Devils will have the dis- If they do get to cut rate arbitration, then they'd have a decision to make whether they flip him, uh, try to get some assets in return from him. And then you're basically the same team that was really good before they acquired him. So like, I guess it would suck to lose him, but they're still probably going to be really good without him. Um, but that's like a situation. Yeah, but that, he, that's yeah, a situation he, we don't really have to worry so about. Until, that's a situation we don't really have to worry about until the end of July. And at that point, the Devils will have probably done mon- a majority of their work for the offseason. So that we'll know what their roster looks like. Um, you know, like, Say they do flip Timo Meyer, like one person I DM me um, earlier this afternoon, and I brought it up to someone else I was talking to. Is like, say they they 
can't get a long-term deal with Timo Meyer done then and if William Nylander is still there around arbitration time with the Maple Leafs like do you do a Nylander for Meyer swap um give me Willie know. Styles let's yeah. do it that would be a fantastic deal I probably he's boys with the Hugheses did you read about that? I did not read about that. I've been busy lately, so I haven't so gotten when, around to that. So, so when he did his little, you know, junior career in Toronto, uh, that's right. The Hughes they boys were te- playing. Yeah. No, but technically they weren't his billet family, but he stayed with them for like a year. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. All right. So yeah, you see the so, right there, right there. So you got a little something listen, right this, there. Ellen's, and, Ellen's you know, the Maple Leafs were interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, she's done with Luke and Jack what she's meant to this organization already. She um, deserves a statue next to Marty. I said it here first. Listen, if, if they win like three Stanley Cups with Luke and Jack on the team, yeah, I don't have a problem building Ellen Hughes a statue in Championship Plaza in Newark. Go ahead, do it. I don't care. But um, Put her number that- in the rafters. I don't give a crap. Yeah, you could put number forty-three because everyone wears number forty-three in that family. So, except for Jack. So, um, but yeah, getting back to Meyer, like the Leafs were interested in him at the trade deadline this year too. They just couldn't make obviously make the deal work out. So, like that's one scenario. However, unlikely it is, probably very unlikely that maybe you try to pull off with Meyer if you can't get a long-term deal done. But um, I'm not really concerned about it at this point. We'll just have to see, you know, how the next couple of months goes. I mean, arbitration hearings are not until the end of July, beginning of August usually. So there's about two and a half, three months until we get to that point. Um, So we'll see what happens there. But as, you know, I thought going into like exit interviews and stuff, I thought it would be the opposite. It would be more sure thing that they signed Meyer instead of Brat. And I've definitely flipped on that since exit interviews. It just looks like a much more sure thing that they re-sign Brat than Meyer at this point. That's not to say that they won't re-sign Meyer. It's just right now it looks like there's been progress, you know, I guess tangible progress with Brat, and it looks like it's going to get done at some point. Yeah. Um, so a couple more names that we should probably talk about. Damon Severson. Um, I thought he had a fantastic season, fantastic playoffs. Hat. Did you see the vintage hat he was wearing? That was that was ultimate troll right there. Yeah, that was good um, stuff. That was funny. <laughs> he and he deserves it, right? He's caught a lot of flack on Devil's Twitter, um, and not rightfully so. Uh, he's always been a key piece of this organization from day one. Um, I think, I think it's. Yeah. yeah, it's time to say goodbye, right? Yeah. Uh, as much as it's weird to say that, as great of a season he had, it just seems like his price tag, and rightfully so, is going to be way out of what this Devils team can afford going into next season. Yeah, I think his next deal is probably going to be somewhere around 6x6. Six six. Um, you know, Evolving Hockey hasn't projected for like 6x6.7, six six so it'd probably be a little less. I don't think he'll get close to 7. I think it'll be closer to 6, but... He's going to get paid by someone, especially since like there are not that many great defensemen on the market this year. It's really just him and Dmitry Orloff. Um, as well, and the kid from Seattle is a decent defenseman. Carson Soucy? Yeah. Is that, yeah, I mean, he's good, but he's not at – yeah, he's definitely not at Severson and Orloff's level. Like I think Carson Soucy is more like a bottom pair – a good bottom pair guy, whereas like Severson and Orloff are like top pair to top four kind of guys. Um, and you look at the rest of the market, it's really not 
good at all. So he's going to get money from someone. I just think with what the Devils have coming up, especially since Fitz said they hope Nemitz um, is able to challenge for a spot in September, but he was also like, he's 19 years old. So like, you have to take that in consideration, but he's getting closer. And then you have Seamus Casey coming up too. I think it was the writings kind of on the wall receivers in at this point, especially since they have to resign Brat and Meyer. It's just the cap space he would take up to, to resign at this point, it would put them in a bit of a bind if they're trying to get Brat and Meyer signed around $8 million each. So I, yeah, I definitely think he's gone. And then that moves us over to another defenseman, the vampire King himself, Ryan Graves, um, personal fan favorite. I, I, I mean, I love Ryan Graves. I know he's had his troubles and he has his, mental lapses. Um, I've always loved Ryan. I thought he he brought an edge to this team. He, he really never backed down to anyone. Um, and he was a real upgrade from what they had previously. But similar to Damon, and it's kind of weird as a Devils fan after the last 10 seasons talking about cap casualties. Um, but Ryan seems to be another cap casualty, especially with Kevin and Luke coming up that left-hand side. Yeah, just the way he talked at his exit interview, I think he kind of like he didn't say it directly, obviously, but he just kind of he kind of sounded like he knew the writing was on the wall um, with the Devils. Um, I don't know where he ends up. I saw one. Of the, I think it's Mark Scheig who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets with uh, over at the Hockey Writers. You know, my colleague said that uh, Columbus could be interested in Ryan Graves um, as a free agent. It'd probably be like another four by four deal. I think maybe even a little bit more than that for him uh, this summer. And I think Luke, even though he only played in three playoff games, he was really damn good in two of them. So just kind of like right there, your top four next season, the Siegenthaler Hamilton. And then you probably have Luke with John Marino in a second pair role already. I think he's... um, he looked really good. I think the sky's the limit for him, and I think he just kind of already showed that he's ready for a regular role here. So, um, that but even if he's time. not, it's like you have Kevin Ball, who yeah. like we'll get into, who was fantastic this season. Yeah, he was really good this year, especially the I guess like the last two months of the season or so when he really started to play a regular role and uh, I think Ruff really started to trust him at that point. He was even using Ball at, uh, alongside Dougie Hamilton at times on that top pair there. So, um, yeah, I think with Ball, you know, starting to round into form and, you know, making a, a role for himself in the NHL and then Luke Hughes kind of like just looking like he's going to be in the Calder conversation. Next year, I think it makes Graves expendable more so than Severson. Like, I could see the argument for Severson being more of a need for the Devils, but his contract demands, or not demands, what he'll probably get on the open market was just be. Well, what he deserves, let's be fair. What he deserves. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. Like, he absolutely deserves the six by six payday he's going to get from some team this year. I I could see Buffalo being a really good fit for him because they got to improve their defense and. uh, you have a little bit that someone would, to come. That would sting. That would sting, but they need someone to like shelter Owen Power and some of these younger and Darlene and uh, you know uh, what's the other kid's name? Samuelson, Matthias uh, Samuelson. You know they need a little bit to shelter those guys there, and Severson would be good for them. So I can see Buffalo being a fit if they want to dive into free agency like that. Uh, but I don't. I don't think either of them are going to be back with the Devils, Graves and Severson. That is. You know what? You know what could happen, right? And I don't know if it will. But 
I know Severson has always talked so fondly about New Jersey and wanting to stay here and, and different things like that. I wonder, and maybe this is a negative percent chance of happening, but you know, does Fitz just bring him back on like a one or two year deal? Um, and, you know, saying, Hey Damon, you kind of deserve to, to ride with this team, you know, because you've been through so many of the dark years and whatnot. Um, and you know it's not a bad fit, and you just you, you it's another year of marination for for Nemich down down in Utica. Um, I don't know, just spitballing here. Yeah, I mean, I think the Devils would love to have him back on like a shorter deal like that, maybe two to three years or something like that. But I don't think that's going to fly with Severson. He's going to be, I think he'll be twenty nine uh, when this. Yeah, contract. he wants that last big deal. So no, yeah. I get it. Yeah, so he's going to want the term. He's probably going to want something that will take him to his like 30 age, 34, 35 seasons. So I can't see it. Yeah. I don't know. Just, you know, maybe if he wakes up one night and has a revelation, oh, I want to I wanna ride with this team one more. Yeah. Season. That's the thing is like a good team is probably going to pay him money. So he's like, he's going to get to play for another good team. I would think uh, wherever his next contract takes him. So I don't think he's going to be going to a dump, um, you know, Good. I mean, I guess he could, but I we always that. thought he would end up in Vancouver. Yeah, I've kind of thought that too, but um, I just don't know where they could fit him in there because they have so many bad contracts on the back end. Like they would have to move Tyler Myers and or OEL too. Like it's just kind of a mess there that they have to figure out in the yeah. back end. Like they have only Quinn Hughes is really the only good defenseman they have there, to be honest. Yeah. All right. Let's do a couple quick hitters here. Uh, if we as we roll down the lineup, uh, yay or nay? And a quick thought, maybe uh, Yeezy Sharangovich. Um, I don't think he'll be back next year. I think they'll trade him. Okay. And what's his stat? He's an RFA. Yeah, uh, RFA with arbitration rights, I believe. Okay. Before the deadline, you think? I mean, before. Uh, sorry. Obviously, before the draft. Uh, yeah, I think it would, if they're going to trade him, it would be sometime around the draft. Yep. Okay. Uh, Miles Wood. Gone. Uh, for sure. Especially with the way Fitz talked about Nolan Foot today. Uh, apparently the Utica staff was raving about Nolan Foot, and uh, Fitz was like asking their Utica coaching staff, like, what was, who were some of the players that stood out to you there? And he talked about Nolan Foot a lot. So I think you could see Nolan Foot as the Miles Wood replacement next year. And uh, they're going to need some cheap ELCs to fill out that roster. And I think Foot looked good in a couple of NHL games he played this year, too. So Fine by um, me. Wood's a traffic yeah. cone. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Michael McLeod. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's the elephant in the room about the 2018 WJC case. Um, if he clears that, he's going to be back. If not, I, I don't really know what happens with him. Uh, like, would he get a really big suspension? Would he would he be charged criminally that changes everything um but if he's cleared of everything in the 2018 case he'll definitely be back if not then it gets a lot trickier is there any movement with that is there any dates I, that we well, need to be concerned about yeah, I, I mean i just haven't heard anything for a year like a year yeah i've tried asking around and i haven't heard anything about when the investigation will end i mean it's kind of obvious alex formenton is definitely implicated in him since the senators uh didn't resign him and he's been playing in switzerland for the last year so like he's definitely involved somehow but i don't know about the other players it seems like it's still an ongoing investigation and maybe something happens this summer but uh haven't heard anything about it recently either okay all right all right uh kevin ball 
yeah, he'll be back for sure. Um, I don't know what type of deal, but I can't imagine them moving on from him at this point. Akira Schmid? Yeah, that's a, is he an RFA this uh, this uh, offseason? Or am I getting wrong? Did I get that yeah, wrong? I thought he still had one year left on his deal because last year was the first year he played in the NHL. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Am I forgetting anybody? Did we run through um, everyone that's Mackenzie out? Blackwood is an RFA. All right, see ya. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Trade him? Who was that? Trade him? Yeah, if they can find a trade for him, for sure. But if not, I think they just don't qualify him and let him test the free agent market. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, let's get into Fitzy's presser. We've already kind of touched on a lot of the topics, but I know you had bookmarked a number of things Uh should we get into that? Uh, I guess the first headline news is Lindy's back. Uh, yeah, thoughts that on that? The, yeah, that was the big one. Uh, you know, I mean, Friedman said in the last couple of 32 Thoughts episodes that uh, Ruff would be back unless it really, really fell apart between the two sides negotiating a new deal. But uh, Fitz confirmed he'll be back, and I really don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, we can talk about you know his lineup decisions but every coach makes like lineup decisions that make you scratch your head and when you look at the rest of the products with rough and what he did this season i really don't think you can argue for not bringing him back it just be interesting to see what happens with andrew brunette now and friedman said on today's episode of 32 thoughts that brunette will get interviews for these openings around the league i think calgary seems to be the one he gets tied to the most especially since they need to get huberdo going and Huberto had a fantastic season in Florida last year uh, with Brunette as his head coach. So I think that's probably one landing spot for him uh, if he does leave the Devils. And then they'll leave them with a decision. I have a suspicion he's not going to leave. Uh, I mean, I think if he gets a job on for for a head coaching gig somewhere, I think he's going to take it and leave. Okay. I just – I have this feeling that like – Fitz said he's going golfing with them. Like I don't, I don't know. I just, I just yeah. feel like he's not going to leave. I mean, they're good friends, Fitz and Brunette, because they played together on the Nashville Predators back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so like they have a a built in relationship there a, a little bit already. It's not like he just kind of like plucked them out of nowhere. The, like uh, this past summer when they signed him to be associate coach. Uh, I mean, he's still got two years left on his contract, and he's not like your typical assistant coach. He has a bit of an elevated title as associate coach. Um, so we'll see what happens. Well, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about it depends on what Lindy's term is, right? Like, what happens if Lindy comes back on a one year deal, right? Like now, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? Like, if, if yeah. Lindy's back on a one year deal and, and handshake, wink, wink, Bruno, you're next. Look at this squad we got here. Lindy just wants one more crack at it. And then, you know, it's yours. I, I That's what I almost think is going to happen here. Yeah, so that's – I think that's possible. I don't think Ruff would take a one-year deal. I mean, and maybe he wants to go year by year at this point. I mean, he is 63 years old, but, I mean, that's not really that old. Um, um, I think Yeah, he but take, he, he wants to just, like, move to the woods in Montana and just, like <laughs> – I mean, he does spend his summers – I think it was at Whitefish in uh, Montana, right? So Yeah, he's just um, – listen, just make sure he's got, you know, the NHL package and he's fine. <laughs> I mean – And, I and Sunday ticket, apparently, so he gets the Bills. <laughs> that's right. He is a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. Um, So, 
I guess I could like I could see Ruff taking a two year deal, and that would coincide with Brunette's contract ends with the Devils. So then you do like a two year deal, and you're like, okay, he's gonna do these two years. After that, we're gonna promote you to head coach. What do you think about that? Like, I think Fitz maybe maybe that's what they're gonna talk about when they go golfing. I don't know, but I th- I feel like Calgary's a well. Really then good that puts Ruff at sixty five. That puts Ruff at sixty five, and you know. That's you know that's retirement age. Well, sixty six technically, but he, yeah, I think he'll be okay. I, yeah, I think he's good going forward. Maybe he'll want to want to move into a front office role at that point in his career. I don't know, but I mean the the team seems to love him. Like Fitz mentioned it today that the t- players love playing for him, and like you have to listen to your players when it comes to this. So like you keep Ruff as long as the players like playing for him, and, and, or until Ruff says I you know this is it for me. I don't want to do this anymore five if rough stays another two years you know five years is a long time uh for one spot i mean he did stay with buffalo for like 13 years but you don't really see that too often in the nhl anymore so it'll be interesting to see what happens like but brunette and fitz if they you know fitz goes to him like listen we have a succession plan and uh you know without kendall roy kendall and roman roy deciding what's going to go on here um you know, I th- could see him maybe sticking around if he really like. I'm sure he sees this team is going to be good for a while. Like he's not an idiot. Like Calgary's a little bit of a different situation. Like they could move Elias Lindholm this summer. There could be moves coming there. Like they're not a guaranteed to be good for long term. I guess Columbus would be like and one. It's also cold as f. Yeah, but he's Canadian, so like co- coaching in a Canadian market. Yeah, but know. he's got a house in Florida now, right? Like we don't That's have to pick up the golf cart story, but like you know, it, yeah. this is a lot closer to his house in Florida. That is true. Um, you know, Columbus, I feel like would be a good fit too. But like from what's coming out there, it seems like they're they're going for like Peter Laviolette and Gerard Gallant, like more experienced coaches. Which I don't know why. That's the whole. We're not a Columbus Blue Jackets pocket, so we won't get into that. Um, the Rangers don't even Columbus really seem to be in the. Fire. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers, I thought, would be in the mix for Burnett, but I don't even hear his name come up with the Rangers. It sounds like LaViolette and Mike Babcock are the names that come up there. Um, Anaheim, I uh, did Anaheim name their head coach yet? They didn't. No, but... and it sounds like they're pretty far off from doing that as well, uh, according to the re- most recent 32 Thoughts. Yeah, so I don't think Bruno will go there. And then there's Washington, but it, I don't even hear him get connected to Washington. I think if he doesn't get the job with Calgary, he'll be back with the Devils because I just like what else is there? Unless like Sheldon Keefe gets let go in Toronto, that would be something that may be a bit of a curveball. But um, yeah, if he doesn't get the job with I Calgary, actually I actually can see that happening. I can, I can see, see that, that happening. happening. Yeah, I can see that happening too as well. So um be interesting to see what happens with him. But yeah, Ruff is coming back. Um, it will could affect what happens with Brunette, but um, kind of unknown at this point. Yeah. Um, okay. Any other sound bites that you wanted to touch on from a um, from a Fitzy interview perspective? Yeah. So he did say um, something that was, and I think GMs say this a lot of the time, but he says Tom Fitzgerald. This is from Ryan Novus. I mean, every reported uh, reported this, but this is from Ryan Novusinski. He said we don't. Tom Fitzgerald said we don't have a first round pick, but that doesn't mean we won't get one. Which, hey. You know, I don't know what that means. It can mean a lot of things. To me, it sounds like if someone falls in the first round of the draft, they're going to try to trade that they really like, that they would try to trade back into the first round. I think that's what that means to me. I don't think it means like, hey, we're going to go get like a former first round pick like William Nylander or something like that. I don't think that's what he meant by that. Um, And GMs say this stuff all the time. Like, hey, we're going to try to 
get a first round pick if we can. I mean, Fitz has said it in the past, even with multiple first round picks, like, hey, we have these extra first round picks. We're going to try to trade them for a player. And they usually just end up making the selection at the draft. So it could just be GM talk. Um, but I thought that was interesting that he did say that. Um, I mean, I guess it's a little something spicy to watch around the draft. Um, you know, it's a really good draft class, like stupid good, especially in the first round. So like if someone falls that they really like, Maybe they try to package something to get into the first round so they can select a player that they can add that will help them with ELCs for like the next few years. Um, that was something that was caught my um, attention. And then another thing uh, this is from James Nichols. He said, um, Fitz said he was uh, actually really help, happy with our goaltending this season. And we see fans all the time, like, you know, after the Hurricane series, I think the immediate overreaction to that series was like go get Connor Hellebuck or something UC Saros or something like one of these I don't think Saros will be available but like one of these top goalies that could be available and um yeah I don't think you really should do that I think you gotta let Vanacek had a really good regular season so like you know he can get you he can get you where you want to be in the regular season and then you gotta let Schmid get some run here I mean he was so good this year like you can't block him uh-huh I think if you do want to get someone like Hellebuck, that means you probably have to get rid of Akira Schmid um, as part of the package. So that was interesting to me. It, I don't think he would tip his hand of Fitzy, you know, saying he was they're going to be looking for goaltending this offseason, but I would be surprised if that was really a priority for them. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I don't know if it was mentioned, and I don't think it was, but uh, a certain picture has been making the rounds on the internet uh, of a certain devil's prospect uh, of the winger nature. Arseny Gretzyuk at what seems to be a tropical location. Uh, Is he the new Zetterlin, a.k.a. Zeus? Is this our new Zeus? Um, not quite, because, like, Zeus is, like, a solid, like, 225. I think Gritsuke is still at 190. He's just jacked out right. his mind. But, um, yeah. A Cu- I mean, couple more weight, weight sessions before we get to Zeus status. Maybe we're at, like, an Achilles status. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for a player like Gritsuke, you don't want him to get too bulky, because then he could lose some of the quickness that he has. Um, I think he's good. Just based on that picture, I think he's good to go at this point. Um. Uh, He's like, what, five? I remember when they drafted him, he was like 160 pounds, like soaking wet. Like on a good day, he was 160 pounds. Now he's, he's, they drafted him in 2019. He looks like he's added like a solid like 30 to 40 pounds since then. I mean, he's, he's built. Um, you know, it's going to be another interesting storyline this offseason. Like, are they going to sign him to his entry level contract? Because he's not returning to avant garde Omsk in the KHL next year. He was uh, at a, I guess they couldn't agree to terms with a new contract there. So he's either going to sign the ELC with the Devils or he's going to play for SKA St. Petersburg. Um, so can they get him signed? That could be an interesting wrinkle for the Devils roster next season. Oh, Arseny is coming on down, baby. I think he is a very potential replacement option for Tomash Tatar. Um, I think he's got a, he, he's just got a scoring touch. From all the highlights you see in the KHL, he seems to just have a knack for either scoring or coming up with dazzling passes. So I'm excited to see what he can do over here in North America. Yeah, it'd be cool if they brought him over now. I mean, he probably could make more money with what's happening in Russia economically. So um, he'd probably make more playing on an ELC with the Devils, to be honest. Yeah, just get out of that situation. Yeah. 
we won't get into that. But well, that's, um, a, that's where that conversation ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to touch on from the Fitz presser? Uh, no, I mean, I'm going to be writing about it tonight. Um, so you'll get this in word form tomorrow morning too. But um, yeah, I think that kind of pretty much covers what he said today. All right. Should we get into team awards? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. All right. Let's go with the first award. We're going to call uh, – we're still uh, spitballing some names for these awards, so we'll get back to you on that. But let's go with the first uh, 2023 award of Hardest Worker. Hardest Worker. Uh, that's a good one. I'd probably have to go with Tatar, just like the way he plays the game. Um He'd like the the reason why he's such like a good play driver is he just he doesn't he plays bigger than his size. Um, he does a lot of like little things that you don't always notice on the score sheet. Um, and it some of that did translate on the score sheet this year. I mean, he had a twenty goal season and nearly hit fifty points. So I would say Tatar is probably the Devils' hardest worker of twenty twenty three. Cool. All right. Yeah, I was either gonna go with Tatar or Eric Howla. Yeah, Hall is a good one too. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the second award. Most improved player. Hmm. I think you got to give this one to Kevin Ball, right? Um, it took a little yeah, while. I, yeah. yeah, it took a little while for him to get to that point. But by the end of like the season, he was definitely – you could see the improvement from him for sure. I mean, he certainly improved from where he was a season ago. He's He looks like a regular NHL defenseman now. Yeah, I think um, a lot of a lot of listeners might thought we would have went with recency bias and went with Mikey McLeod because of his playoff performance. But overall season, it's got to be Kevin Ball. Yeah, if it wasn't Ball for me, I would have picked the Kira Schmid because he looked absolutely awful as a rookie. And this year he had a 921 save percentage. So I think you can make a very reasonable argument for Kira Schmid being the most improved devil as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout as well. Honorable mention to Akira. Yeah. All right. How about best rookie? I mean, I wish Luke Hughes played more games because, like, that's an easy one. Um, best rookie. I mean, I'm trying to think. The Devils didn't really have too many rookies that. Uh... It's got to be Akira Schmid, right? Yeah, I guess right. It would have to be Schmid. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Yeah, it has to be Schmid. Yeah, there's no one else. I mean, he played 27 games between the regular season and the playoffs. So, and he was the best goalie they had. Most unsung. Uh, most unsung. I mean, Dawson Mercer is a good candidate for this, but he kind of got the the praise at the end of the season. But I'm still gonna stick with it and say Dawson Mercer because he had 27 goals and. Uh, almost 60 points, but like he doesn't get the same attention as like Nico, Jesper, and uh, you know, he's just um, for some yeah. reason not included in like that core of players every time they're mentioned of like Brat, Nico, Jack. It's Dawson. Dawson's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. And he is fantastic. If this guy can just put like 15 pounds of meat on him, God bless the rest of the NHL because he is going to tear it up. Yeah, he's kind of he's not like in the past, like in the sense of like Kachuk or Michael Bunting, but he is an annoying player to play against. Um, just kind of he gets like, his like stick he, on everything. Yeah, gets that's, stick on everything. That's what I'm talking about. He kind of like gets under your skin in that kind of way. He's not like stirring up shit with like fights or anything like that. He's 
or like I'm going to take the puck off your stick when you don't really notice it kind of like annoying type of player. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, comeback player of the year. Mm, uh, it's got to be Dougie, right? Yeah, I mean, got the injuries last year, had like one of the worst seasons of his career, and then this year he finished with 22 goals and 74 points, which was the best season of his career. So that's an easy one for me. You could say Jack too, I guess, because of the injuries last year, but Jack was also fantastic when he played in 2021-22. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go with Dougie. I mean, yeah. he broke the defensive record for goals. Uh, did, he, did he get most points too, right? Uh, he was really close. Or, to, I think, did Stevens close. have like 78 points, I think, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. How about let's go to best overall player? Uh, it's probably Nico Heischer, right? I mean, he's nominated for the Selkie uh, and he finished with 31 goals and 80 points. So for me, it's gotta be, I mean, you could make an argument for Brat, sort of, but, um, I think Nico's much more well-rounded than him. I think you could also make an argument for Dougie. Yeah, you uh, can I mean, make Dougie's an argument for Jack, too. Jack. Yeah, Jack's pretty underrated yeah. defensively, so you can make an argument for yeah. any of those players. But since Nico's got the Selkie Trophy nomination this year, I got to go with him. Yeah, I mean, he also has, like, the intangible captain shit. So, like, that just – I think that elevates him. Yeah, Tatar is actually a really great two-way player, too, so you could even argue him. I mean, he's – No, he's we're not – don't even. No. All right. <laughs> No, right. not for All best right. overall player. No, I thought it was best I'm not allowing um, that. Uh, I see what you mean. I thought you like all around kind of like kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go with most valuable player MVP. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Jack. Jack right? Not overthink it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's Don't overthink be, this one. Yeah, forty plus goals in ninety nine points. Probably would have hit a hundred if he didn't miss. You know that stretch after the all-star break for a little bit and he slowed down when he came back then too so yeah this one's an easy one for me okay uh best offensive player so you could definitely argue dougie because of what he brings on the back end they're not that many defensemen who can score that way um but i think this also has to be jack too i mean he's one of the best you know facilitators in the game and like i said before i mean he had 99 points it's kind of hard to argue against that and best defensive player? That's got to be John Marino, I think. Uh, Johnny you know, Hockey! Yeah, yeah, that's right, the real Johnny Hockey. Um, I mean, Ruff put him, uh, it took a little bit of time, but Ruff eventually, uh, I guess, like after the first month of the season, you know, that was his most common shutdown defenseman, was putting Marino out there with Graves. So it's got to be him. All right, and to our last, and this this would be a difficult one because there's a lot of camps on Devil's Twitter that would chime in for this one. But who do you think is the fan favorite on this team? The number one fan favorite. Oh man, it's definitely not Jesper Bratt after the last few weeks. I don't know why, but uh, it's Love definitely Jesper. not him. Yeah, uh, we could get into that until a later episode. Uh, on a later episode, is it is, safe to say it's not Damon either? <laughs> no, I think Damon changed fans' opinions of the way with the way he played in the playoffs. I thought he was their most consistent defenseman. Like I didn't even really see anyone complain about Damon Severson during the playoffs. But um, 
mean, you could. Well, there was a healthy dose of it during the season. Yeah, that's the thing. You could argue Dougie for this. You could argue Nico Heischer. You could argue Jack Hughes. I think I have to go with Jack Hughes for this one also too. I think he's he's like the most exciting. I mean, dark horse Karen, dark horse candidate Nate Bastion. Yeah, he his fans do really like him, but I mean, com- I mean, he's he's really good fourth liner. I'm not gonna argue that, but like, if he's fans' favorites, come on, get your priorities right here. I have to say, Jack Hughes. I mean, you hear it, Friedman. When you hear other people talk about Jack Hughes like being the most exciting. Like Friedman says, Jack Hughes is his favorite player to watch in the league now, even more so than McDavid. I I'd have to go with him. Who'd you go with? Yeah. <clears throat> Who would I go with? Well, honestly, I th- I still think it's Nico. And I think it's Nico because he was the the OG number one overall. Yeah, that's a um, fair argument. And he's the captain. Listen, Jack is definitely the, the headline, right? Jack's definitely the headline. But there's something about blue collar jersey that just loves what Nico does, especially as a Devils fan that grew up on Stanley Cups that were won on grit and toughness and proper defense and not on flashiness. I think that still resonates with a lot of this fan base. Yeah, I think that's why Bastion's kind of really popular too. Um, yeah, too. And so it was like, you know, the likes of Cam Jansen or Rupper or David Clarkson. I mean, for God's sakes, who is that one guy, Farmdale or uh, Farm? Bobby oh, Farnham. Bobby Farnham. Yeah, Bobby Farnham. I mean, like, he was a fan favorite for like two weeks. Yeah, um, I remember that little stretch at the end yeah. of the Lamorello era. Yeah, so like, you know, there's – but the thing with Nico is, is like, he's that, but he's also – all that like on the offensive end too. Uh, so uh, for me, it's, it's Nico. Yeah. I mean, you can make a reasonable argument for him as well. So um, yeah, there's definitely a few players you could pick here. hundred percent. All right. Uh, that's it on the, on the uh, end of the year awards. Alex, any final thoughts on the 2022, 2023 season? Um, no, not really. I mean, it was a great season. Uh, it went way better than it could have compared to preseason expectations. I mean, Fitz even said today, he's like, I was surprised how good this team was. I thought we were going to be clawing for a wild card spot, which is what I think everyone thought. Uh, I don't think anybody thought they would finish one point behind the Carolina Hurricanes for first place in the Metropolitan Division. So, yeah, I guess just to sum it up, the Devils have arrived, and now we enter the offseason, and we'll see what fits um, in his front office. Um, you know, I guess the front office could shake up a little bit. We see a bunch of them got interviewed for the Penguins' jobs uh, opening. Dan McKinnon seems like he could be a favorite for um, the Penguins, um, one of the favorites at least, for the Penguins' front office. So we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, it should be an interesting offseason. I don't think they're just going to run it back. I think they're trying to make some improvements here. And uh We'll see what happens there, but they're here and now's their time. Their window's open. Wide open. Let's rock yeah. and roll. Well, it's baby. just starting. This season yeah, this was is... in... Yeah, go ahead. This season was incredible. I, I, I loved it. I just love being back in the building and just feeling the passion. For me, that's like one of the best things about being a sports fan. Uh, and one of the things that I think actually like lacks a lot from US sports compared to sports over in Europe, just that yeah, collective feel. That just a collective feel as a fan base. And you really only feel this towards the end of the season and, and really feel it in the playoffs. 
but uh, you know, in, in European sports, you feel it every game, uh, from game one to, to game 38, if we're, uh, looking at the premier league, but it was just awesome to feel that again, right. As a devil's fan, even the, you know, the, the, just, just seeing the sight of that one street, I think it's Mulberry, just filled with fans from the bar. And like, when would you, like, in the last 10 years, when has that ever happened? Never. Yeah. So, like, it just, it's just awesome to have, like, some sort of, like, thing now that the devil fan base has. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to Reds. Or, oh, yeah, we're going to American Whiskey before the game. Like, we've never had anything like that to, like, grasp onto as a fan base. And that's awesome. Yeah, I think that video of the the whole fan base like singing the Rangers goal song on the streets of Newark after game seven was kind of like sums up what you were talking about right there. So, um, yeah, obviously the fans are feeling good now. And I, the, <laughs> Lucille finally here to make her final. I thought we were going to get through an episode without a Lucille appearance, but she had to get her thoughts in there. So, um, <laughs> Mrs. Uh, Fisherman he, is going to be uh, uh, needs to figure out what's going on there. It, Lucille, well, she was just excited about the Devils' 2022-3 season as well. So, you know, I can't blame her. It's 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 the, uncanny as soon as the mic goes on. She finds her it way. It really is uncanny you know, every I mean, time. Every freaking time. So, um, uh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, from, from a scheduling standpoint, I think Alex and I have discussed it. This is not the end. Uh, this is... Just the beginning of Devils on the Rush. Uh, we had a very exciting first season, and we we take about ten percent credit for the team's success because we did start the season and they uh, really picked it up. So there you go. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> but from a scheduling standpoint, I think uh, we will not be weekly uh, going forward. I think it's going to be more on a need to record basis. Touch in every so often through the off season. Uh, hopefully have pods for a brat resigning, a Maya resigning, and maybe some fun trades. Who knows? Um, but we will be touching in, but I don't think it will be as regular as we were during the season because Alex has a life. I have a life. Um, and uh, I think Mrs. Fisherman's happy that the hockey season has concluded. Uh, yeah, I, you confirmed that to me a couple of days ago. So, um, yeah, I think the only time we'd probably be regular this in the summer would be like around the draft free agency because that's when everything happens. So Exactly. Yeah, it, could be, yeah, it could be like a little bit of a weekly kind of thing then. But, yeah, until we get to that point or stuff starts happening with trades and free agency, you know, I think it would just be as needed as the Fisherman said here. Well, Alex, uh, thank you. This has been fun. Uh, I know this was uh, our first season doing this, but um, thank you. This has been a lot of fun and uh, can't wait to see where this takes us. Yeah, thanks for coming along. It's I've been wanting to do a podcast for the longest time, so getting one off the ground to start the season was a lot of fun and it ran, well, like as, as well as I could have imagined even better. So thanks for coming along. Yeah, of course. And we uh, we hope to th- this is just the beginning. So thank you all for listening. Uh, your feedback is is very welcome and, and appreciated. And uh, we look forward to talking devils in the near future. Yeah, we'll do. Let's go devils. Let's go devils. Let's go devils.